I'm Jessica Abel, and this is Out on the Wire, the show about making stories step by step. This is our first workshop episode where we discuss and collaborate on work made by our listeners in the Out on the Wire working group. Each regular episode, we pose a challenge for listeners so you can develop your own stories. And the working group is an online platform where you can post your responses to the challenges, get feedback from fellow listeners and from us. And then in our workshop episodes, which happen every other week, we choose some of the, the interesting work from the working group and we talk about it to see if we can help move it forward. This is what I call creative collaboration. It's my secret weapon in storytelling, and I want it to be yours, too. My collaborators today are Benjamin Frisch, uh, my producer for Out of the Wire. Hi. And my fellow cartoonist and also husband, Matt Madden. Hi, everyone. And if this is the first ever episode of Out on the Wire you've ever listened to, please go back and start from the beginning with episode one. Trust me, this will all make a lot more sense if you start from back at the beginning. And we're going to get to your work in a minute, but for the first workshop, I think we should talk a little bit about our background so that everybody knows something about where we're coming from and that we're not just total hacks who just decided to start a podcast for whatever reason. So uh, to start, I should say that we're all residents at La Maison des Auteurs in Angoulême, France. And Matt, do you want to talk about what that is? Sure. Uh, so Ben and I are speaking right now from Angoulême. Um, Jessica's on the road, otherwise she's normally here. Angoulême is a small city in southwest France, not far from Bordeaux. Um, you may have heard of it if you've heard about the Angoulême Comics Festival, which is one of the biggest comics festivals in the world. Uh, well, in addition to the festival, there's a whole other institution here called La Cité Internationale de la Bande Dessinée et de l'Image, uh, the city of com- international city of comics and the image. Um, which features a museum, a library, movie theater, a bunch of stuff, and also a residency program for cartoonists and animators. Um, which So Ben and Jessica and I are all on this residency for varying lengths of time. So I'm Matt Madden, and I'm Jessica's husband, and I'm a cartoonist uh, myself. Um, if you've read Out on the Wire, you'll have seen my work because I drew uh, quite a few of the backgrounds um, in the book. Um, and I'm best known for a book I did called 99 Ways to Tell a Story, colon, Exercise in Style, which is a one-page comic uh, redrawn and retold 99 different ways in different styles, different points of view, different formal games. And that's kind of like my thing as a cartoonist is I like to play around uh, with the, the, the structure and the form of narrative. And the, um, the hundredth variation is actually in Out on the Wire. It's a, yeah. it's, some people called it an Easter egg. <laughs> It is an Easter egg in Out on the Wire that if you're familiar yeah. with my book, you will um, spot the uh, pretty much the exact page of Exercise and Style reproduced um, kind of sneakily in the background of uh, the beginning of Out on the Wire. I'm Benjamin Frisch. Uh, I'm the producer of Out on the Wire. Um, you may have heard my voice, I think, just once in the, in the first episode, um, but mostly I'm just the person that makes everything go from behind the scenes uh, here. It's uh, me and Matt today, just huddled up in our our little studio here. Normally, we'd have Jessica um, here as well, but as Matt said, uh, she's in the States on the road, um, which is also why she might sound a little bit different from us uh, today. Yeah, my my educational background is in comics, so I spent a lot of time sort of thinking about how comics work, um, how storytelling works, um, 
And uh, I found sort of that a lot of that also applies to the work that I'm doing in radio um, for this podcast, which I think sort of dovetails nicely with the theme of the show. Um, And let's see, I guess my style uh, is uh, more sort of satire or dark comedy. Um, My first graphic novel is coming out um, next year. It's called The Fun Family. Uh, I'm very excited about it. It's exciting for everybody, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna ch- it's gonna change the world. <laughs> yeah, and that's top top shelf that's publishing that, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to introduce myself at length because if you're listening to this podcast, you hear probably too much about me as it is. But in case this is the first episode you're listening to, I'm a cartoonist. I've been at it for a really long time, and uh, this show is springs out of a, a new book. Um, out on the wire, storytelling secrets of the new masters of radio, which came out in the end of August 2015. And um, so, as a reminder, how this works: uh, the work that we're about to talk about is was submitted to the Out on the Wire Working Group, which is an online community where we can collaborate and critique each other's work. Um, and the the purpose of this group is to get you involved in making your own stories. And we've got beginners and we've got professionals in there right now I mean, there's over 150 people in the group already and we've got tons of ideas coming into it it's really I, i'm a little verklempt about the whole thing it's uh completely cool to see what's happening i was a little bit shocked actually <laughs> just to see uh sort of how many people are getting involved i was i was a little scared it was just going to be like uh, well, who knew, uh, right? We yeah. thought maybe it'd be crickets. Who knew? You know, there was yeah. no way of knowing if it was going to work or not. But as soon as we put the call out and said, we want to see what you guys are doing, we want to work together, people came in. And um, and not only that, you know, I've been on the road. I'm on a book tour right now. And so I've had very limited time to get involved. But it's been really cool to see people in the group collaborating with each other. And that's what I really hope happens in a in a much larger way. This is an experiment. We don't we don't know how well this is going to work. We don't know where this is going to go. We're just all trying it together because I I just feel so strongly about creative collaboration and how important that is as a, a an element of making the best stories. And it's so hard to get it. It's so hard to have great collaborators. And so that's you know that's what we're trying to foment here is a is a place. Um, a system by which you can find that kind of collaboration. And I'm, you know, in some cases, I'm hoping that it goes on from the group and people do, you know, Google Hangouts or they meet in person or whatever, you know, I mean, I would love to see that kind of thing happen as a result, but we don't know yet. This is just the first week of it. And uh, you are invited, you listener, you're invited, come on in, uh, come to my website at jessicaable.com slash podcast, and you can sign up there for, you sign up for my newsletter, you get an, an invitation to the group and we want to see what you're doing. Um, so let's see. So in each workshop, we're responding to a challenge that was posed in the previous episode, the full episode. So episode one's challenge was, uh, to come up with an idea for a narrative project, write up a short one paragraph description of the idea and post it on the out on the wire working group. Uh, and we want to find out what's intriguing about your idea and the medium you plan to pursue it in. Um, so we're going to talk about three, maybe four projects from the community today, um, and this totally is not a popularity contest, and we're not singling out what we thought were the best or worst projects either. We chose them because they raise interesting problems and avenues for critique. Um, and by the way, if you do join, we'll never um, talk about your work in this way or use your name without asking permission first. So if you're shy and just want to post in the community, that's totally okay. We will not out you on air without talking to you first. Um 
Does that cover it? I think so. Should we just get started? Let's get started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first story that I, I found really interesting was by Leah uh, Yale Levy. I'm really, really sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, so she says in her post, uh, I found this I found this old notebook at a yard sale. I liked it so much it was given to me for free. I believe it's an old autograph book of a young lady named Emma in 1890 or 91 in New York. It's very fragile and falling apart. Only a few of the pages have little, uh, very hard to read notes on them. Otherwise, it's mostly blank. There's a little sketch there too. Um, she's actually posted some images, which you can see in the working group if you sign up. It's, um, they're really, really cool images. Uh, she says, I think the format lends itself nicely to a strip. I'd like to fill some of the empty pages with an exploration of who Emma may have been, maybe. And um, could she actually have been, uh, could she have actually been Lillian or somebody else? Was she gay, potentially to be made into a little zine later? Um, I, I think the thing to clarify here is she, she posted photographs of the object and it's um, an autograph book that is in a format when she talks about the format lending itself to a strip it's because the book itself is um, horizontal kind of narrow horizontal strip and um, it's very brittle brown paper and I think what she's proposing to do is actually draw on the original sheets of paper to draw a strip on there in between the few pages that are autographed with this you know lovely antique handwriting Um, and and so, yeah, so that's, I just wanted to clarify that so people can kind of picture that in their mind. It's it's a leather-bound, you know, horizontal autograph book. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing the three of us, our, our first advice might be uh, to dissuade her from drawing in the actual book. Not For me, not so much because it's, uh, you know, an, an antique object, but just because, I mean, she's going to draw it and then they're going to crumble in 10 years. So um, unless... It's really almost like a performance of, you know, drawing on ephemeral objects that are then going to decay. Um, which is interesting in its own which, way. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely more of a conceptual art kind of um, approach to it, which is uh, certainly valid. Um, but if you're just talking about a book that you're going to publish and have, you know, the art, um, there, there are various like digital strategies, for example, that you could do. And just with like book production to do a sort of facsimile type of effect without actually needing to draw on these old pages, which might literally every time you erase them, they might you know crumble in, under your eraser. So... Yeah, I actually have a student um, currently or last year at the CCA MFA program. This is the MFA in comics program, and it's a low residency master's program that I teach one semester in. Um, the one of my students last year is a master at this, at taking she'll scan old paper and lay it in under, you know, art, so she'll scan the artwork and lay it in on top of the sort of scanned paper and do these facsimile things. It's really cool looking, and there's a lot you can do with it. it um, I would agree with that, but. To get back to the actual story aspect of it and the idea, um, I think when we all talked about this um, before we started the show, um, the main thing that strikes me here is that this object is a is a really great inspiration for a story, but there's nothing in it specifically, or there's very little in it specifically to hook the story on. I mean, basically, it's starting almost from scratch. Yeah, it's too bad there aren't, you know like 10, at least 10 or more pages of this stuff. There's really, as far as I can tell, there's actually just three, unless there's more that she hasn't shown in the picture. But she said herself, there's very little stuff. Um, and the one thing that made me think uh, as a general, and which is also like maybe a general principle, is in addition to what's in the book, uh, to think about what's not in the book. Like why, the fact that, why is that, you know, 120 years later, um, she comes across a, you know, 
say someone saved this thing for a hundred years, you know, or or put it in a box somewhere. Um, so the fact that it's blank uh, is mostly blank. You know, probably it's a very banal reason. Like we all have sketchbooks. We do two drawings and we put them on the shelf and we forget about them. I don't. Uh, I, don't, don't I only you... fill all of my sketchbooks with beautiful, perfect drawings. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're the one person in the world who does that. Uh, and uh, But the other idea is that it, you know, it opens another avenue for storytelling. You know, the fact that this thing was just started with some names and drawings in it and some cute little, you know, th- things about friendship that someone wrote to her. And, uh, and then it, it stops filling up. And it makes me think of something like the, the famous Hemingway, you know, shortest possible story of uh, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Mm-hmm. That kind of idea of like something terrible happened. Like there's some, there's some suggestion of loss in, in that basic, uh, in, the, in the object, which might be uh, a lead for story. Since you don't, have, you don't have positive material, you have like negative material to work with. I think it's a it's a really inspirational object. Like it's just it's really cool. Like I would encourage everybody to go look at the pictures because they're they're really cool. And I, um, and like one of the one of the things that I think is most intriguing and is maybe useful for if you're if you're doing a comics project is there is like a drawing um, of someone like on one of the pages, uh, and. Like this does feel like a really interesting jumping off point. Like I, I think in the in the group, I asked um, if she could maybe try and find, uh, sort of figure out the provenance of the object, like where exactly it came from. I don't know, as a way of sort of figuring out like what the character of this story, what, like what the story itself would be. Well, I think she just she just has to make some decisions about it. I mean. Uh, and and pondering is the first step, you know, like what is interesting to her and, you know, paying attention to her attention, you know, figure out what is the thing that um, really draws her about this. Is it does she want to place this, you know, in the 1890s or whatever it is? Uh, you know, is it going to be a real time story or is it about somebody finding this thing later and the mystery story of of discovering what what happened? You know, there there's. It is a very suggestive object, but it's suggestive of like a hundred different stories. And her main job, I think, this week, and you know, our next episode is about narrowing in and and creating um, structure for the idea. So when she gets to that part, she's going to really have to decide, you know, make some decisions. Um, <clears throat> so this week, I think, is a good time to really follow all those avenues and then think about, you know, again, pay attention to what she's telling people about, pay attention to uh, what what feels exciting to her about the book and it's going to be different for her than it would be for me and and so on so so i think that's all you know it's 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 the it's not the idea yet it's the root of the idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i'd like to point out just in case it's not clear that she's as i understand it she's talking about doing a fictional comic book or zine or illustrated zine using this thing as a springboard to tell some kind of story about this character. In other words, not necessarily, you know, an actual investigation into... Oh, yeah. But I mean, even if you could create a, a fictional story about a fictional investigation, that's what I was saying. Yeah, obviously, it's all like the whole thing is going to be fiction because there's kind of no way to know who this person really was. But, you know, again, when when is it said and who's the main character? Is it, you know, the person who made the book? Is it the person who found the book? You know, there's just a lot of options and she's going to have to pick. So we can we can post these photos, I think, on our um, on our show page for this episode, and uh, people can see it there. Yeah, well, I'll read the second one because I find it pretty fascinating, actually. Go for it. Um, this was submitted by Roxanne Palmer, 
Um, and I'll read what she uh, wrote here. A woman who runs a horse sanctuary seems like the last person you'd expect to want to bring back horse slaughterhouses to the U.S. But the current regime, where horses bought across the U.S. are crammed into trains with little food or water for a long journey to the abattoirs of Canada or Mexico, which are often facilities designed for cattle, not horses, may be perpetuating more cruelty than animal advocates intended when pushing to ban the practice. Meanwhile, wild horses in the U.S. are overpopulated way past the point of sustainability, while horse sanctuaries cannot keep up with housing unwanted animals, domestic or wild. Horse Flesh is a medium length, I'm thinking uh, 25 to 40 pages, nonfiction comic, exploring a knot of curious, ethical, scientific, historical, and culinary issues surrounding horse meat. Uh, can we give horses a good death? Really, really interesting. So that's a pretty uh, intense yeah. subject, you know, and uh, one that can that's uh, a real kaleidoscope of ethical, you know, decisions and thinking about how we treat animals and how we, you know, uh, think about sustainability in a larger sense. And um, and the fact that she has apparently this uh, woman, she's a, there's a list later on of, of things that she plans to do. Um, but uh, she's already got a couple people lined up to interview, including uh, this woman she mentioned at the beginning who runs a horse sanctuary, um, but is also apparently, you know, in favor of horse slaughterhouses in the U.S., um, an animal activist who, uh, animal activists who are both for and against the ban on slaughterhouses um, and various other people who work in, you know, the, the horse uh, industry at various levels. So, um, you know, it, to me, it seems like I, I don't have a lot of like uh, comments beyond encouragement at this point. It seems like she's got her marching orders of people to interview. I don't know if you guys had some more. Uh, caveats, or you guys have done more nonfiction stuff, so or Jessica, you have anyway. It, I mean, to me, it sounds pretty well formed, especially sort of at this stage. Um, it definitely has that element of surprise um, that we talk about. I mean, the first sentence is basically uh, what we're going to be talking about in um, the next week, where a woman who runs a horse sanctuary seems like the last person you'd expect to want to bring back horse slaughterhouses to the U.S., like, yes, tell me more. Like, I want to know more. Right. Why? Why would anybody want that? That's absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely intriguing. And anytime you um, combine somebody who has a horse sanctuary and, and in, like, in the same description, you mention culinary uses of horse meat, you're heading down interesting roads. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there for sure. And um, she has a great list of possible people to interview. And I think at this stage... She really, she's she's kind of got it. You know, she's got the idea. It works. The idea works. And when she actually does these interviews, then she's going to have the real work of figuring out who is the protagonist. Because she mentions in this, she's not really sure that the the um, person who runs the horse sanctuary is going to be the protagonist of the piece. Um, you know, it might be it might end up being somebody else. Um, there may be multiple people. I mean, it could be structured more like um, Out on the Wire, where you have her as the searcher, as the protagonist, and then you have multiple other people um, telling their stories and you know putting together the pieces to understand you know this, as Matt said, this ethical knot. Um, so, all of, but all those things come down the line, and I think she's got she's got the pieces that she need. You know, she has the big question. She has a list of sources that she can interview. She's got kind of the, it seems to me, the right list of 
things that she needs to interview about. Um, and and she should be on the road. I just hope she likes drawing horses. Oh, yeah. oh boy. Uh, visually, it's going to be uh, challenging, but it's going to be, you know, it has a lot of possibility as a comic, you know, the idea of drawing. And also uh, to... to uh, to be visually impressive, but also quite shocking. I mean, depending on what kind of uh, approach visually she's going to take and what kind of sh- stuff she wants to show uh, in the sort of whole range of the horse experience <laughs> in the U.S. these days. All right. So um, let's talk about another story. Um, Kara Westerman posted um, an interesting story or an interesting concept for a podcast series um, that is um, based around the local library, and I think she's the librarian there. So um, here's what she says. Amagansett Land is a podcast from the local library of Amagansett. Um, besides offering live recordings of authors and interviews with and interviews with authors, it's also about place. We're in the Hamptons, but we're also a small town. I want to develop local stories that highlight the diversity out here. We have farmers and surfers and fishermen and Rolls Royces and homeless. This week, a friend and I were on the phone and heard a train go by, but the distortion made it sound like an ominous giant dog or monster. He was standing in his yard, which is only stone's throw south of the tracks. He told me that he's noticed that the different conductors play with the horn and make different combinations. In keeping with the idea of paying attention, this is, struck, this is stuck with me. I want to play with this germ to see if I can make something that is not the usual cliche about the other side of the tracks, etc., the Long Island Railroad runs the length of the island and divides the communities along class lines. Those south of the highway and closer to the ocean are the wealthier. We have such extremes of wealth and poverty out here. So what do you guys think? Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a broad, um, it's a broad topic. It's hard to, uh, you know, the main comment is that it needs to, uh, I don't know, to, if not zero in on a topic, then then think about a way to conceptualize it that it would work over, um, a series of uh, of short pieces. Um, I've been I've been sorry, man. I've been uh, discussing with her sort of in the group about sort of what exactly she wants to focus in on. Um, one of the things that uh, she just mentioned that I found really really interesting was um, sort of about like homeless people in a library. Um, libraries are sort of in a weird, sort of very interesting place in the 21st century and you know they have very diverse clientele I, you know if she one of the things that she could do if she wanted to focus this thing in on was just like do like oral histories of just people who visit the library like who are these people what are their stories um you know like why why does the homeless guy come to the library um right she also she also talked about and this is another um way to string this together uh in an interesting uh, way to do a portrait of Main Street and literally go along the Main Street and interview every person oh, on yeah. Main Street. Like <clears throat> yeah, every I like that one. Person who has a you know role there. Maybe I don't think she means people walking along the street necessarily, but like people who are there regularly. Um, which is, you know, potentially interesting. The, the problem with all of these things, you know, the portrait of the library, the portrait of Main Street, it's kind of like a big open thing, and. Um, there, there's, there are plenty of ways to do portraits of little individual moments, like that sound of the train whistle and so on, um, that are great and engaging. But I don't think they go beyond a minute or two. You know, um, I, I would recommend that Kara listen to um, the Vox Pop uh, little clips on WCAI, which is um, Jay Allison's home station. And they have um, station IDs that they make, and they have hundreds of them that are basically little, I think, 30-second or 45-second 
little clips of interviews that somehow encapsulate something about the person, interesting bits of sound, whatever. And then they do the the station ID, WCAI, Cape and Islands, you know, station. And um, the Transom Workshop students who, you know, I feature in Out on the Wire, one of their assignments for the Transom Workshop is to make one of these. And so they go out and they find people with interesting voices and interesting stuff going on. They interview them for like half an hour or an hour, and they come up with two or three little 30-second things out of it. And I, I can totally see her doing that, like a whole series of, you know, 30 second or one minute clips of people and that somehow together make a portrait of a non-narrative portrait of a place. Um, But I think if she's looking for narrative, she's going to really have to look for threads that hold things together. She's going to have to go and say, all right, well, the person who owns the florist, you know, used to be married to the guy who runs the bakery, but that broke up and, you know, there's a thing and the reason they're still here, then they, you know, the developers wanted to do this, but then they couldn't. And, you know, find stories that, you know, have a beginning and a middle and an end. I would uh, recommend that she listen to the uh, This American Life episode, uh, 24 Hours at the Golden Apple, I think is, oh, yeah. is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a great example of, um, like, when you have this really big idea about, like, I want to interview everybody in this town, uh, but that's that's such an immense task. You basically have to narrow it down in such a way. And I don't know what their main street looks like, but maybe she picks like one day um, or one week that she's going to go to main street and sort of interview people. And that's going to be sort of what holds the story together. Um, Right. But again, if it's going to be long, like it's got to have more than just, it was this week, you know, it's like, what, what is, what after doing all these interviews does she find out about this week that makes it, something worth telling yeah she, she mentions wanting to sort of um uh make sort of a time capsule it's, it's totally doable but again like similarly to the old notebook although this is nonfiction, um it's it's very open-ended until she really figures out what interests her like if it's just the sounds that interest her if that's really what interests her i would totally recommend going you know the vox pop station id direction you know don't try to make these things 15 or 20 minutes, make them a minute. Um, I'd also say in that vein, um, there's a there's a really, really powerful, really wonderful um, radio story called If, um, which is an Australian story that um, creates a portrait of um, a hospital, a children's hospital, uh, through sound and through, um, I mean, it's very, it's, it's a very experimental piece. There, but and, and it has the kind of quality that I think she's looking for, but it is also s- secretly narrative. You realize it's narrative, like it sneaks up on you. And um, you can find it on the thirdcoastfestival.org site. Um, and I'll we can post a link to that on the show page. It's it's a, an amazing story. And, um, it's only seven and a half minutes long. So I would recommend that she listen to that for sort of an idea of how you can use this kind of experimental approach to sound, but also tell a story. Um, So our next story is by Patrick Wheatley. And he says, I'm constantly looking for interesting science narratives for audio stories. One of my current ideas begins with Jean-Baptiste Lamarck. Uh, He did some incredible and fundamental science in the early 1800s. But most people, if they've heard of him at all, only know him for one reason, that he got evolution wrong. 
Lamarck thought that the characteristics you acquire during a lifetime could be passed on to your children. Think giraffes evolving because they constantly stretch their necks to reach high leaves. Um, Darwin then comes along and sets us straight with natural selection. Fast forward 200 years and it turns out that maybe Lamarck wasn't so wrong after all. The field of epigenetics is showing that some acquired traits can be passed on to offspring, uh, e.g. grandchildren of people that experienced PTSD having chemical hormonal signs of being stressed despite living normal lives. Your experiences and not just the genes you inherited could affect your great-great-grandchildren in ways we never dreamed possible. Some uh, predictions of phobias you have in your own life could be the result of things your relatives experienced 100 years ago or more. So I'll um, jump right in and start there because as soon as I read that, I was like, I, f- I feel like I've heard about this before. And in fact, uh, Radiolab has done a uh, has done an episode uh, on a very s- on this this topic basically already. So that's the uh, first thing to think about. It's not all about Lamarck, but it's about uh, various um, work that's been done on his his theories, trying to salvage or change them over time. That's so great. if you haven't heard that. Uh, that uh, episode go right away to the, the Radio Lab website. I believe it's called Leaving Lamarck. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you should a, be able to find it on their website. It's a great episode. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, and it, it is basically exactly this. It's um, it's it's about the science. It's uh, just about epigenetics and sort of how that stuff. Um, so the first question is: uh, Does uh, does um, Patrick? know some more stuff or have some other angles on the work that he wants to, to dig into and share? Uh, or is this a case of like, all right, well, good idea. Someone got to it first. That proves it was a good idea, I guess. I mean, it was Radiolab. Uh, but uh, maybe there's something else to, lo- to look for. I think this is, this is a question that comes up, has come up a couple times already, that people will pitch just an idea on the working group and then somebody will say, oh, I heard that story on X. You know, I heard something about that somewhere else. And it's a legit question. Um, I, I think there are times when it's been done well enough, but almost always there's some other angle on it. There's some other way into the story. And there's, it's not like everybody in the world has heard the Radiolab story. You know, this is going to reach a new audience, reach new people. So, you know, he's really got to think about how he can, you know, like you're saying, Matt, like what is his angle on it? What's something a little bit different? Um, what is the thing that's drawing his attention? And, um, you know, the other thing he talks about is how he's looking for science topics in general. And, you know, he's got this story about Lamarck, and but he wants to avoid making the the piece about the man. He wants to make it about the science. Um, and I would get back to uh, my advice to him would be in general about this story or any other story would just be to um, follow Radiolab advice, which is ideally you have some kind of anecdote you can use as a structure for scientific ideas that you want to get in there. So you you put yourself sort of in the shoes of the scientist or of, you know, whatever, um, somebody going through actions um, in sequence in order to keep your listener with you and listening. And then you insert um, various bits about the science and the ideas within that. Um, and you, you don't want to make it, you know, you don't want to make the listener think that they just are hearing a kind of um, pot boiler about a scientist, but at the same time, using um, people's journey of discovery or their, you know, their crisis with their colleagues or whatever as a way to um, structure and hold the, the, you know, the rest of the ideas that you want to get into the thing. I think it's a smart approach. You know, I think it, it helps um, 
helps a lot. And, you know, it's a, always a balance. you got to strike a balance. But um, Right. And that, that Radio Lab uh, episode is kind of a textbook example because that's kind of exactly what it does. It, it does. it talks about Lamarck, the man, and sort of the tragedy of him being famous for being wrong. Uh, and then segues into a bunch of really interesting stories about a famous hoax from the turn of the century. Anyway, there's t- tons of great stories. There's tons of great stories that he could get into there, I'm sure. Can we just tell say thank you to everybody who um, allowed us allowed us to use their stories uh, this week? Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, you are um, gold star participants for uh, letting us sort of use your stuff in a way that um, you didn't know how this was going to go. And neither, and neither did we. <laughs> and neither did we. But we hope you really got something out of it. Um, and we hope that also other listeners whose work was not directly discussed get something out of it. We'd love to hear feedback from you about this. Um, again, you can um, find us via my um, website, the podcast page. You can um, tweet at us and so on. And I'll give you all that information in a minute. But the point being, we are... We are out on the wire with this. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're doing it anyway. And um, the more we hear from you about what's useful to you and what um, is working, the the more we're going to be able to make this something that's uh, really great. And yes, thank you so much to our um, first week guinea pigs. If you want your work to be considered in the future to be um, subject to our very gentle collaboration, um, please consider joining the working group and posting your work in there. Even if you missed this week, this um, discussion of week one uh, material is still open and still is ongoing. So you can go back and you can you can still get into the discussion of, of um, the week one challenge, uh, episode one challenge. Even even if you're listening to this months later, I'm hoping that everything will still be up and running at that point. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, uh, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna also answer uh, or talk about a couple questions in these episodes. Um, we are running really late here, so I think we're just gonna do one this week, and then um, we are gonna hold on to these questions and we're gonna answer them sort of week by week. But I did want to get to this one. Um, our member, um, the working group member Keith Britt, asks, uh, "How do we divide? How do we find the time to devote to our story craft? Do we need to take the leap and quit our jobs and go all?" go all in or can we do this just on evenings and weekends is this a 10,000 hours kind of deal um let me just say right up front please do not quit your job don't quit your job <laughs> i mean if you're quitting anyway because you have another job that's fine quit your job but don't quit your job to work on your project for the out on the wire working group um you do have to find time to devote to your story craft i mean somebody else uh was I think, I don't know, tweeting at me this week or something like that. I don't remember where this came from, but um, was saying something about um, feeling like uh, he wanted to throw his idea out the window. He was just, you know, he didn't know how to go. And basically, you know, you have to listen to what Ira says in the episode. He's, you have to work. You have to make the work. If you don't make the work, you never, you never cross that gap and go, in, and and match up with your own expectations. You do have to make the work, but you can do it on evenings and weekends and mornings and whatever. You have to. You have no choice. There's no way to, um, you know, keep body and soul together while you're developing your craft. You just have to find a way to fit it in. And ten thousand hours, I, you know, that may be an exaggeration. I I think that that's a you know, it's a bit of a cliche. Um, 
But you have to make a bunch of stuff and you have to be ready for it to be not quite up to your own standards and and be be proud of yourself for having those standards that you're not quite up to. You know, it's important to, that you have good taste and you know what your taste is and you care. You care enough to be doing this work. Um, that's all super important. Um, and I mean, yeah, you just keep going. I mean, you just have to keep going. You have to figure out how to do it. I think there's also a lot to be said for just sort of being immersed in um, immersing yourself in an environment where uh, you know, you're listening, if you're doing audio work, you're listening to a lot of audio, um, you're maybe, you know, actively searching out resources about how, about how storytelling works. Um, I think that stuff helps a lot. Like, you know, practice is obviously super, super important. Um, but unless you have sort of guidelines to go on, you're just sort of throwing um, paint at the wall. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the if you're doing this all on your own, like completely on your own, the process of learning is going to take a lot longer. I mean, that's why we set up the working group, because we want to have a place where people can accelerate their progress. And acceleration happens through feedback. It doesn't happen, you know, you, you can work and get better all on your own. It, it will happen, but it will take a lot longer and it's going to be a lot more painful. And so finding people who can support you um, you know, who are in favor of what you're doing is important, but also finding people who are willing to engage critically with your work is like, it's crucial. It's crucial. You can't, you know, if you're an amateur and you're just doing this on your own to try to learn, you've got to find people you can talk to about what you're doing. It just, you have to. So um, that's the most important thing, I think. Um, you do go all in, yes, but you don't go on all in for the 40 hours a week that you need to work your job in order to pay for your life. You fit it in where you can. I, I just, you I fit it in. Yeah. I want to mention uh, one example. Uh, a personal hero of mine is a German woman named Sybil Bayer, um, who in the early 70s, uh, she was a mom and uh, she uh, w was not a professional musician. And she would, after her kids were, and I think her husband too, were asleep, she would lock herself in the closet with a tape recorder and her guitar and record these beautiful songs um, and just do it when she could. And then, you know, 20 years later, when her child was a teenager, he met Jay Maskus, the singer from Dinosaur Jr. at a music festival and gave him these tapes. And uh, uh, and they were released as an album, you know, some, some 20, 25 years after she recorded them. Uh, and, and it's a wonderful album. It's an album called Color, Color Green that came out in 2006. And, uh, you know, I just heard it on the radio just like that, and I, I was blown away by it. Um, and the story made it even all the more impressive to me that she just had the kind of patience to um, have her life and she didn't drop everything and run off and, you know, try and start a music career. She would just lock herself in the closet when she could and, you know, uh, record music. I find that's um, a really inspiring example. Very much so. Very much so. It's also, it can be a little depressing, the idea that you have to lock yourself in your closet and, and do the work all by yourself for so many years and sort of almost possibly never get discovered. So, I mean, there is a point at which you have to make a decision, like, am I going to go for this? But make that point after you've already published some pieces or sold some pieces or done something for, you know, your local station or or you're, you have a podcast with a, follow, with a following or whatever. You know, you need to put the time in first and then decide, okay, is this something I can really, you know, I can make this work. 
that's I mean, I think that's the key. It's you think about the gap, you know, get past the gap first, then make the decision. All right. So that's it for our first workshop episode. And um, Matt and Ben, that was super cool. I'm very happy. But there was so much we couldn't get to in this week's episode. And the stories are just pouring in. I just looked at the uh, group like while we're talking because I was looking up one of the stories to like take a look at it. There's another nine ideas that just came in today. So um, it's kind of incredible. And I really hope that you are inspired by this and want to join in and, um, and take part. So just a taste of what's going on in the community. We've got all kinds of things going on, all kinds of stories. We've got photo stories about grieving, a documentary project about dementia, a true story about what happens when a lefty urbanite donates his uh, bone marrow to a family on the other side of the political spectrum, a gritty detective noir story, a podcast about a veteran with PTSD who's becoming a comedian, and so much more. So if you want to get an invite to the group, head over to the show page at jessicaable.com slash podcast and sign up for the newsletter and we will send one out to you. Um, and at the show page, you can also read up on the show notes for episode one. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find link to, links to our social media accounts. You can find out about our Patreon, which is a fabulous way to support the show if you like what we're doing here. Um, and, you know, on the Patreon, we're showing we're putting up some really cool exclusive content like, for example, if you loved the Stephanie Fu interview, and who could not love the Stephanie Fu interview because she is amazing, um, the full 50-minute interview with Stephanie Fu from episode one is uh, on our Patreon for um, patrons of the show. We also have um, some music downloads of Matt's amazing songs that we're using. And um, if you sign up at a certain level, we I will draw you an internet avatar for you or for whoever you want it to be drawn for. Um, and at a higher level, we are offering personal one-on-one -on -one, uh, collabor collaborative meetings with me and with the crew. So you can find me on Twitter at JCCAble. Benjamin is at Benjamin Frisch. And Matt is at M Madden Comics, M-M-A-D-D-E-N Comics. Uh, Out on the Wire is produced by Benjamin Frisch with the support of La Maison de l'Auteur Angoulême. And we'll see you next week with episode two, Focus, where you will learn about how to focus in on your story and how to figure out the heart of what your stories are about. Plus, there'll be a little tale from Ira Glass about how a reporting trip went sideways and Jay Allison's slow radio philosophy. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. So I mentioned that I'm on the road right now on book tour. Um, if you're listening to this as it's released, I am going to be in Columbus, Ohio on Tuesday the 15th at the Billy Ireland uh, Comics Research Library, or Cartoon Research Library. I'm going to be at SPX, the Small Press Expo in Bethesda, Maryland on Saturday the 19th. I will be there all day, but I will be signing from 2 to 3, and I have a discussion I'm very much looking forward to with Rachel Ward of NPR at 4.30. Um, on Sunday, the 20th, I will be at the Brooklyn Book Festival. I have a discussion with uh, Nick Susanis, and, uh, which is moderated by Alex Bloomberg of Gimlet Media at 11 a.m. And then at 2 p.m., I will be moderating a discussion um, among three other cartoonists. And then finally, I will be in San Francisco on Monday, the 21st. Yes, that means I'm going three cities in three days. Uh, at the JCCSF, and that is going to be a very exciting event. I'm going to be um, on stage with Roman Mars and Glenn Washington, 
Rowan Mars of 99% Invisible and Glenn Washington of Snap Judgment, both of whom are in my book, Out on the Wire, The Storytelling Secrets of the New Masters of Radio. Um, and I don't know what exactly we're going to be talking about, but it's going to be really cool. And the um, woman, Jordan, who runs the programming there, she's doing this photo booth thing that's like super crazy where you get to go in the photo booth and like be in one of my comics panels. And it's like this, I don't know, it's it's like a gift thing. I don't know. It's going to be really cool. She's doing big life-size cutouts of things and stuff. So... Um, and there's, so there's a meet and greet and, you know, there's a book signing afterwards. I'll be signing books at all these things. And so I hope to see some of you there and please, um, introduce yourself and let me know that you are listening to the podcast. I would love to meet some listeners. Okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs>